Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And guys, it is a glorious Tuesday. I hope you guys are having a good one already. And we do have a number of things to talk about here today. Leonardo DiCaprio doing a Jonestown movie. The passing, sad passing of Dean Stockwell. A Star Wars Rogue Squadron, probably my most anticipated Star Wars movie, uh, has now been postponed. I got to wonder if it's ever actually even going to happen. Oh, and something about, hold on a second, my phone keeps ringing here. Who is this Kay Feige guy that keeps calling me? I mean, like all night. Who is this? Kelvin Feige? Never heard of the guy. Anyway. And it's something about Spider-Man pictures. We're going to talk about that a little bit later as well. But uh, today, here's how today's show is going to go, guys. We're going to take the first half of the show and take some predetermined topics. Then on the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. If you want to get a live comment in on the show, simply use the tip link that's down in the description of this video. Just go and click on it there. Or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show if it's, of course, appropriate to use on the show. And, of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campia Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Also, a little bit of house cleaning. If you can't get your daily fix of the John Campia Show in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're at work, maybe you're commuting, maybe you're at the gym. Good news, there is an audio-only version of the show. Just go to your favorite podcasting app of choice and search for the John Campia Show podcast. Go find it on your favorite podcasting app. Subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. Okay, guys. With all that down... Let's do an off the top here, something that just came out before we get into our main topics here today, shall we? And that is this. Now, you guys will know there's a little movie out in theaters right now called The Eternals, incredibly divisive amongst the uh, critics. The critics are completely split on it. Uh, a little more than half of them don't like it, a little less than half of them like it. They're completely divided. We haven't seen anything like that in an MCU bef uh, film before. This is the first MCU film ever to have a negative critic rating. It's the first time it's ever happened. However, the audience ratings have been much more friendly to it. And, you know, that's ultimately is what's going to lead to Marvel being happy. But, you know, not good that you're first. Now, I like the movie myself. I actually quite enjoy it. I don't think it's as good as Shang-Chi. I don't think it's Marvel's best movie of the year. But I did enjoy it. And it's definitely a very, very different film. And one of the main reasons the film is so different is because of the director. Chloe's out. So she was clearly the main reason this thing was so damn different. Uh, why it had such a different feel. Why it didn't have that traditional DNA of a Marvel film that we're so used to seeing. Now, a lot of people have been wondering and asking, well, what happens now? Because now that this is actually the first MCU movie to be negatively reviewed, negatively reviewed, what does this mean for Eternals moving forward? And maybe even on a more grander scale, what does it mean for Chloe Zhao and her future with the MCU? Will they have her back to do more MCU movies? Will they not? Will they even do Eternals and stuff like that? And, and we've addressed about whether they're going to do more Eternal stuff before. They're definitely going to do more Eternal stuff. But is maybe Kevin Feige now turned off of Chloe Zhao? 
Well, a story that's been going around here today is basically saying not only is Kevin Feige still completely thrilled with Chloe Zhao, it looks like he might be getting her to do his Star Wars movie. Now, you guys remember that some time ago, Kevin Feige announced that he was going to be doing a Star Wars movie, that it was, you know, his dream to always do a Star Wars movie. He grew up as a big Star Wars fan. He's going to do it. So the question started floating around. Who's he going to get to direct it? And then not so long ago, Chloe Zhao came out and said, you know, she would love to do a Star Wars movie sometime. And of course, even at that time, a lot of people started putting two and two together and started thinking, huh, maybe there's something to that. Well, now there are reports going around. Now, I should stress here that none of the reports going around that Chloe Zhao is going to be doing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, none of these, as far as I can tell yet, are coming from the major trades. They're not coming from Variety. They're not coming from Deadline. They're not coming from The Wrap. They're not coming from Entertainment Weekly. But still, there's a number of sources online saying that Chloe Zhao is actually in talks to direct this Star Wars film. Now, I don't know if these rumors are true or not. I mean, I I don't have any insider information on that. But let's, for the sake of the discussion, assume for a moment that it's true, that Chloe Zhao is going to be directing a Star Wars movie that Kevin Feige is going to be overseeing. I think it's a fabulous idea. I personally, I think it's a great idea. You know, you guys know I love Nomadland. Chloe Zhao's Academy Award-winning film won Best Picture at the Oscars, won her best, the Best Director Oscar. I think the movie's fantastic. I really like Eternals. Again, I know a lot of the critics are split on it. I personally really like it. Not as good as Shang-Chi, but it was very, very ambitious in what it was going for. If Chloe Zhao can come in and bring those sensibilities to a Star Wars film, I think that could be a lot of fun. I think you could see somebody that could expand the mythology of Star Wars a lot, maybe finally really go into Old Republic and start expanding, you know, our ideas, the mythologies of the Sith and the Jedi that they've never really explored before going that. I mean, I'm just pulling all this out of my ass, but it could be very, very interesting. Now, as far as Kevin Feige's Star Wars film goes, I think I'm like a lot of people where we've been wondering, is this thing even still happening? Because they first mentioned Kevin Feige was going to be doing Star Wars film quite a while ago. We haven't really heard Bo Peep from it since. But apparently, it still is in motion. So anyway, the question is for you guys. What do you think about this story? Number one, do you even believe the reports that Chloe Zhao will be doing Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie? Assuming for a moment that you do believe it, what do you think of the choice of Chloe Zhao? Were you hoping for somebody else? you think this is a good fit? Do you think this movie's even going to happen at all? Whatever you guys are thinking about it, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. Before we roll into our main topics here today, I just want to uh, let you guys know that today's episode of the John Campia Show is being brought to you in part by the good folks over at Get Upside. Now, I've been telling you guys about Get Upside here for about a week. The app is absolutely fantastic. It's really super simple to use. You install the app. You go to a gas station, you put gas into your car, and you get cash back right into the app. It's just that simple. Up to 25 cents per gallon. I I accidentally said per liter the other day because, you know, Canadian. But up to 25 cents per gallon. And here's the good thing. Right now, if you go and do this, you guys can actually get 
an additional deal on that. If you go and download the app, which is for free, just go to GetUpside. You can find it in iOS or the Android App Store. And you can earn up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank if you use the promo code Campia. So once again, get the GetUpside app. Put in the promo code CAMPIA and you'll start getting cash. And one of the coolest things about it is as you accumulate cash in the account from your gasoline purchases and other businesses as well that you can find in the app, the cool thing is you then have a choice of how you like to get paid out. Do you want it directly deposited in your bank account? It can do that. Do you want it deposited into your PayPal? It can do that. Hell, if you're an active e um, Amazon user, it'll even pay you with an Amazon e-card if that's what you prefer. There's a lot of different options there. So once again, go on over and get the GetUpside app, install it, insert the promo code Campia, and start enjoying it today. And by the way, I've been hearing from a lot of you guys who've been using it, and I'm glad you have been enjoying it. Okay, guys. With that down... Let's now move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campion Show? Well, it's really simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show. With that down, let's get into a really unfortunate and sad uh, main topic number one. And our first topic gets brought to us by Adam Jacoby, who writes, Hey, John, I was very saddened to read um, that Dean Stockwell had died. I'd been a big fan of his since Married to the Mob back in 1990 or 1988. He wasn't large in stature, but you always felt his presence on screen. What are your thoughts and what was your favorite Stockwell role? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, you know, it's funny. The, the news kind of came out last night about the passing of Dean Stockwell and he passes away at the age of 85. And I don't know why, listen, he has had such a long, illustrious, fantastic career that for some reason in my own head, I still thought of him as being like in his 60s. And I don't know if that's because he's been around for so long. I have no idea. But I remember besides hearing the jarring news that he had passed away, it was also jarring for me to realize he was at 85. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety who write, Stockwell earned multiple nominations for the Primetime Emmys and for the Golden Globes with a Golden Globe win in 1990 for Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in a Series, Miniseries, Motion Picture uh, Made for Television. Stockwell received a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame on February 29, 1992. Among his best credits were a leading role in the sci-fi series Quantum Leap, which is what I believe he won his Golden Globe for. Uh, Air Force One and David Lynch films, Dune and Blue Velvet. Loved him in those. Uh, Stockwell earned a supporting actor Oscar nomination for the 1988 film Married to the Mob. What followed were roles in some of the era's defining movies. These included uh, Wim Wenders' Paris, Texas, To Live and Die in L.A., The Rainmaker, Robert Altman's The Player. Love that movie. Uh, Married to the Mob and, of course, the two Lynch movies. And that, again, comes to us from the folks over at Variety. Um... The dude always, I like the way you, you put it, Jacoby, the dude always had this incredible presence on screen. He brought a, a weight. If I mean, I don't know a better way to put it. He brought a weight to his roles. 
and the ones he would fulfill. And despite all those iconic movies, again, look down some of these movies and some of these projects that he's been involved in. He's been involved in some of the best. He's had an incredibly illustrious career. But I'm going to be honest with you. When I think of Dean Stockwell, while some of you may think of him in Academy-nominated roles like Married to the Mob, Live and Die in L.A., obviously a lot of people are going to think of Quantum Leap. I think that's probably how most people, that's what most people will think of when they hear the name Dean Stockwell. But I'm not going to lie to you. When I hear the name Dean Stockwell, I think of my number one all-time favorite television series, the Ronald D. Moore version of Battlestar Galactica, and his role as one of the Cylons. Now, he wasn't one of the main characters in Battlestar Galactica, but his presence in that show, and I hate using this word, but it brought a gravitas. Like it did, it brought a distinction to the show. He classed the joint up, as Robert Meyer Burnett would say. He would class the joint up just with his presence in the show. And I loved him in it. And of course, it's my number one all-time favorite show. So when I personally think of Dean Stockwell, Jacoby, uh, I will think of him in Battlestar Galactica. Obviously, a lot of you, Quantum Leap, maybe some of his other films, and we were really sad to hear about the passing uh, of the wonderful performer, Dean Stockwell. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What are your thoughts now on the news of the passing of Dean Stockwell? Do you have a favorite role of his that you just, when you hear his name, you instantly think of that? Maybe it was Married to the Mob. Maybe it was Balsar Galactica. Maybe it was Quantum Leap. Whatever that is, jump on down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic gets brought to us by Bryce Dugan, you know, it's really funny. I grew up with a guy named Bryce Duggan. But anyway, um, anyway, Bryce Dugan writes in, Good morning, John. If you remember, about a month or so ago, Ryan Reynolds, yeah, uh, was that about Ryan Reynolds, announced that he was taking a bit of a sabbatical from acting while a whole bunch of people wondered if that meant Deadpool 3 was being sidelined or not. Anyway, I just read a quote from Reynolds saying that he's still actively working on the movie and it's all still moving forward. Should this make Deadpool fans relax a bit now? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, it was kind of funny because you guys remember what Bryce is talking about not long ago. Uh, and by the way, Casey Max sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate that, man. Um, you guys remember a little while ago, Ryan Reynolds announced the world. He was taking a bit of a sabbatical. He was taking a break from acting for a little bit. Now, when you look at his filmography, it's not surprising that he would do that. Because the guy's been working his ass off. This is a guy with a wife, with kids and children and a home, and he's often been away from home. The dude wanted to go home, spend some time with the family, take a little bit of a break. But a lot of people interpreted that as saying, oh, Deadpool 3 must be off the books now. I mean, Deadpool, I mean, what does this mean for Deadpool 3? And a lot of people who were fans of Deadpool started to panic and worried about it. And I started getting a lot of messages from people asking me, what do we know about Deadpool 3? Like, is it now officially off because he's taking this break? And it's like, well, wait a minute. We never should have thought that because he was only saying he's taking a little bit of a break from acting. And we know Deadpool 3 isn't yet at a place where it's ready to start shooting. So, yes, Ryan Reynolds decided to address this just a little bit. Uh, this comes to us from the folks at Cinema Blend who wrote the following. At a promotional event for his film Red Notice, Ryan Reynolds provided an update on the long-awaited Deadpool 3. He couldn't reveal much, but progress is definitely being made. He told Variety, we're plugging away at it. I can't really comment on that, but hopefully soon, though. 
While that cryptic response must be frustrating for Deadpool fans, it's part and parcel of the Marvel creative process. The franchise is notoriously tight-lipped when it comes to production details and plot points, so Ryan Reynolds probably isn't allowed to give anything away except for a confirmation that the movie is indeed still happening, uh, which is a relief in and of itself considering all of the turbulence going on behind the scenes. And that again comes to us from the folks over at Cinema Blend. Uh, and by the way, Ms. Marvel sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Ms. Marvel. Appreciate that. So, look, I can tell you this. Um, I did know, uh, I can't say how, but I did know a few months ago that this period of time right now was a time that Ryan Reynolds had set aside to really hunker down and go to work on Deadpool 3. And so that's why when he announced his acting sabbatical, I mean, I knew, and I think probably a lot of you guys knew too, it was not something to panic about about Deadpool. Now, so now we know Deadpool 3 is still moving ahead. He's working on it right now. His writers are working on it right now. Everything is moving forward. That gives us an opportunity though right now to raise a really interesting question. It's a question we haven't addressed in a while. One that we've talked about a lot in the past, but maybe it's time to revisit it. What is this iteration of Deadpool even going to be like? Now, for a long time, the conversation was, will Deadpool even be in the MCU or will Kevin Feige have him outside of the MCU? Because, as Feige has said, this is going to be the only R-rated thing we do. This is going to be the only R-rated thing we do. And you remember, because he was talking about that when he was talking about Blade, that apparently Blade is going to be PG-13, which none of us should be surprised about. But Kevin Feige addressed the whole R-rated thing. So, you know, R-rated is not really for us. I think Deadpool is the one exception. So we know Deadpool is going to be rated R, which at this point it kind of has to be. Now, I, w- I would say this. If this was a brand new iteration of Deadpool, if Kevin Feige was not bringing over Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool and they were just going to start Deadpool from scratch again, I wouldn't think that Deadpool had to be rated R. You can do him a little bit differently. It, it could work with him being PG-13. But this Deadpool? If you're going to do the Deadpool that Ryan Reynolds has already started, you can't get away from it. I mean, that's got to be rated R. Like, you can't have him talking about and celebrating International's Women's Day, which is still one of the most uncomfortable yet hilarious shots in the original Deadpool movie, but you cannot have Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool talking about celebrating International Women's Day the way, you know, he and his girlfriend celebrated it, and then all of a sudden go to PG-13. You can't do it. If you were starting him fresh, you could. If you're carrying it on, you can't. It's got to be rated R. So... That raised a lot of the question. Well, if Deadpool is going to be the only R-rated thing that they do, is it going to be in the MCU where they don't want any R-rated stuff? And I personally think they should have Deadpool outside of the MCU just to avoid that confusion. I often thought, I often thought that Bob Iger, who is no longer CEO of Disney, now it's Bob Chapek, but I often thought that Bob Iger, were he still CEO, You know, Bob Iger is ferocious about protecting his relationship with his customers, with the Disney fandom. And I think the last thing Bob Iger would want is to tell moms and parents, oh yeah, bring your kids to this MCU movie. And they see Deadpool running around in a PG-13 movie. And then confuse the issue by saying, now we've got another Marvel movie out with Deadpool. Remember Deadpool from that MCU movie? Now he's got a standalone film. Oh, but you can't bring your kids to this one. 
So I've often thought they should keep Deadpool out of the MCU, but I think as time goes on, it's become really, really clear he's going to be in the MCU. I like I, I haven't heard anybody really contest that anymore. Like they're going to definitely bring him in the MCU. I think Kevin Feige and talking about it kind of made that clear. So number one, he's going to be rated R. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Number two, I think he is going to be in the MCU. How they're going to use them, don't know. Are they going to not have him cross over into other MCU films and all of a sudden he's got it, you got to beep out his words and you can't let him really be Deadpool? See, that's the one part where it's going to become a little bit awkward. Like, you do Deadpool 3, right? You do Deadpool 3. And you've got, you know, all the jokes and you got all the R-rated stuff, the hard R-rated stuff in Deadpool 3. Well, now do you bring him over as a guest star in Hawkeye? Like in Hawkeye season two, where all of a sudden this Deadpool that just had his own movie, Deadpool three, and it was all R rated. Now you bring him in and you can't let him be Deadpool anymore. He's got to be, maybe whenever he talks, you make a joke out of it. You put the sensor beeping over when he talks. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'd be fun. Anyway, the question is for you guys. Ryan Reynolds has put everybody's fears to rest. He is still working on Deadpool 3. It is still coming. The question is, though, what do you think this Deadpool 3 is going to be? Do you think it will indeed be rated R as we suspect? Do you think it'll be inside the main part of the MCU, outside? If it's in the main, how do you think they're going to deal with the R-rated nature of the character inside other characters' movies? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Alan Rakasha, who writes, "Hope I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name there, Alan. Uh, Alan writes, there's probably not a lot of your viewers that were alive when Jonestown happened, but I was, and it still stands today as one of the most confounding events in human history to me. Uh, looks like Leonardo DiCaprio is going to play Jim Jones. At first, I thought it was absurd to make a movie about this, but as I but as I considered it more, I came around to thinking it's an important story to tell, especially today. What do you think of DiCaprio as Jim Jones? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Ellen. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a really, really interesting one. The Jim Jones and the Jonestown situation is still one of the most infamous things. Now, of course, I was like five years old or something like that when the Jonestown stuff happened. So, but I grew up always knowing about it, right? I grew up because it was always something that was first front and center in everybody's minds. It is still, you're right to this day. I like the way you put it. It's one of the most confounding uh, things that have happened. Now, for those of you who don't know, here's the simple little Coles notes on it. Uh, Jim Jones was this cult leader, told his followers that he was God, got them all into this little compound. They shot a few people, and before the law could come get them, he told all of them to drink the Kool-Aid, and I think like over 900 people died. It was a mass suicide event or murder event. I don't know if he told them they would, whatever. He had them all drink this stuff, killed all of them. Killed all of them. And I think, you guys in the live chat, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where the phrase drinking the Kool-Aid comes from. I think that's where it comes from. Anyway, this comes here from the folks at IndieWire who writes, Leonardo DiCaprio is set to star as a jo Jonestown cult leader Jim Jones 
in the upcoming feature film biopic Jim Jones, which Oscar winner Leonardo DiCaprio will also produce. An MGM representative confirmed the news to IndieWire that DiCaprio is in final negotiations to play the 1970s cult guru who orchestrated the mass suicide that took place on November 18, 1978. Altogether, a total of 909 people died at the settlement at the nearby airstrip in Port uh, Kiatuma and at the Temple Run building in Georgetown, uh, Guyana capital, Guyana's capital city. It is one of the most horrific, uh, weirdest things I think you can even possibly think of. Because number one, that you'd have a guy so evil that he would want almost a thousand of his own followers dead. But the fact that these people were so blindly loyal to him that they would, as we said, drink the Kool-Aid. I want to read this uh, Read this one little part here. I'll see if I can get the, the text a little bit larger on the screen. Uh, per deadline... Uh, Jones founded the People's Temple in Indianapolis in 1955 and promoted it as a fully integrated congregation promoting Christian socialism. But by the 1970s, he openly rejected traditional Christianity and claimed that he himself was God. He constructed Jonestown in uh, Guyana in 1974 and spurred a following to live with him there as he touted a socialist paradise free from U.S. government oppression. Amid rumors of human rights abuses, the U.S. government sent a delegation led by U.S. Representative Leo Ryan in November of 1978. Ryan, along with four other Jonestown's defectors, would eventually be gunned down by Jones's followers. Following the shooting, Jones orchestrated a mass murder-suicide of his followers, uh, which took 918 commune members, 304 of them children, in an act that entailed drinking flavor aid laced with cyanide. It's just, seriously, it's like one of the most horrific things you can conceive of. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And I get what you're saying when you write in and you said, at first you thought maybe it felt a little distasteful to do a movie about it. But I also agree with you on your conclusion that when you think about it a little bit more, especially in today's day and age, stories like this need to be told. And if you're going to tell stories like this, I mean, a guy who just keeps getting better and better and better with his career is Leonardo DiCaprio. He just keeps getting better. Listen, I didn't fall over myself in love with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but oh my God, his performance in that, especially in this scene with that little girl, amazing. He's so good. And, of course, Brad Pitt won an Academy Award for that movie, too. And I don't even love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I just love their performances. He's fantastic. If somebody, if you're going to do a movie like this about John Jones, John Jones, yeah, yeah, UFC light heavyweight champion, uh, former light heavyweight champion, that's who this movie's about. That's what Jonestown is about. If you're going to do something about Jones and you're going to try to capture this, you need an actor who can do a couple of things. Embody the madness of the man, but also portray him in such a way that would let us as an audience understand why so many people were attracted to him. And that's a tall order. That's not easy. If you're going to try to do a movie like this, and you want to do justice to giving people today in a completely different era 
an understanding of what the hell happened. How could something like this happen? You need an actor, dare I say, of Oscar caliber. You need an actor of Oscar caliber who can portray in a realistic, believable way to the audience the insanity and evil of the man, yet at the same time an understanding about how he presented himself that people around him would be attracted to him and gravitate to him to the point that they would murder and then drink the Kool-Aid. It's, you got to get an actor who can pull off something like that. And Leonardo DiCaprio is one of those actors. I'd say maybe one of out of only 10, 11, 12, 13 actors I could think of who I would trust to play a role like this. And he's that guy. And uh, it's, it's going to be one of those movies that I think is going to be hard to watch. You know, kind of like a Schindler's List. Brilliant, magnificent, one of the all-time great pieces of art put to film, but difficult to watch. Like uh, Detroit with Anthony Mackie and John Boyega. Like a a real-life event that a lot of of which I wasn't really familiar with. Incredible, beautiful, wonderful piece of art, but difficult to watch. And I think this is going to be one of those projects. And uh, I trust Leonardo DiCaprio to be a part of it. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think about them, number one, doing a movie about Jonestown, but number two, if they're doing it, the fact that it looks like it's going to be a Leonardo DiCaprio to play it. However you guys are feeling about it, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down... Uh, let's do another little kind of a weird sort of off the top that's not listed as one of our main topics, shall we? Uh, let's talk about this. I don't know if some of you knew this or not, uh, but last night, apparently some images that present themselves as being from Spider-Man No Way Home uh, made their way online. Uh, I, You know, who knows where they came from, but made their way online. And uh, yes, truth is, I'm the one who initially posted them. I only posted them for like five minutes, and then I deleted them. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but they did make their way online. Now, I want before we talk about what actually happened, I want to talk about a couple of conspiracy theories that I've been seeing a lot of people writing, okay? So let me address a couple of conspiracy theories here before we get into it, okay? So here are the spidey conspiracy theories. First theory, I see a bunch of people doing it. Uh, John made the images himself uh, and posted them to fool people. All right. I've seen a bunch of people saying that I'm the one who made these photoshops of Spider-Man No Way Home and blah, blah, blah. And I can definitively tell you I've got some Photoshop skills, uh, but they're not that good. And no, I did not make the images myself. Okay, so I, I've had a number of people saying, oh, John made the images, John made the images, and I didn't make the images. Just so you know, I did not make the images. So that's conspiracy theory number one. Conspiracy theory number two. Uh, someone else put John's uh, watermark on the images uh, to frame him. I've seen some people... I mean, I think trying to be defensive of me, which thank you very much. I appreciate it. But I've seen a bunch of people suggesting online that, oh, well, obviously somebody else put John's watermark on those images. Uh, No, 
I am the one who put the watermark on the images. Just so you know, I am, in fact, am the one who put the watermark on the images. And we'll, we'll talk about why in a second. But that was me. That wasn't anybody else. That was me. Okay, so put that conspiracy theory away. Conspiracy theory number three, and I am shocked how many people are saying this. John is in, and I've seen this word used a lot. I, I, I don't even know how to spell it. Cahoots. Two, two O's? John is in cahoots with Sony and or Disney. And this is all a PR stunt. I've seen a lot of people writing this. That uh, John didn't leak anything. This is all a big work. This is all a setup. This is a big PR stunt. John and Sony are actually working together. John and Disney are actually working together. And they, they planned this to get a big swell of promo going out there. It's all a PR stunt. Um, while I wish that were true, it is not. This was not a PR stunt. Sony had nothing to do with this. Disney had absolutely nothing to do with this. So no, it was not a PR stunt. To recap the three conspiracy theories I've been seeing a bunch of. Number one, no, John did not make the images himself and posted them. No, someone else did not put John's watermark on the images to frame him. And no, John is not in cahoots with Sony and or Disney, and this is all some kind of PR stunt. No, none of that is true. Uh, none of that is true. So I talked about this last night, but, uh, but, but let me go over it again here. So where did the images come from? How did they get posted? And believe me, a studio rep has talked to me and asked me to reveal who sent them to me. And while I am not happy, uh, while I am not happy about what has transpired, I am not giving up the person that sent it to me. I may not be happy about it, but I'm, I'm not going to give up the source. I, it's just, I can't. Um, they may have done something, is somebody else doing something unethical, I don't think justifies me doing something unethical. And I think it's unethical to give up a source who trusts you in, in, um, anonymity, uh, even though it turned out to be something that I did not expect it to be at all. But anyway, so here's what happens. So you guys know I get a bunch of pictures sent to me, right? I get a bunch of stuff sent to me all the time, all the time. So last night, uh, as I'm wrapping up working on something and I'm getting ready to rush off and go have dinner, last night I get an email from somebody, again, sending me pictures. It says, oh, this is from Spider-Man No Way Home, and they're never real. And I've posted a bunch of these things online, right? Like you guys will remember who follow me on Twitter that in August, I posted this one. Clearly Photoshop, right? Clearly Photoshop. But I posted this one and this one got like 12,000 retweets. 12,000 retweets of this, even though it was clearly a Photoshop thing. So somebody sends me these images and I look at them. Now, I'm not going to show the pictures here, all right? I'm not going to show the pictures here. But somebody sends it to me, and I look at the picture with three Spider-Men in it, and I say, well, this is clearly Photoshop. Because the big mistake a lot of people make when they do Photoshop stuff, everybody can cut and paste. But one of the things people who aren't really, really good at Photoshop often make a mistake of doing is getting the lighting right. And in this one picture, you see Toby and you see Tom, sorry, Andrew and Tom, where the light source is clearly hitting the left side of their face. But then you see Toby 
and the light source is hitting the right side of his face. And I can't believe I'm about to say this. I never thought I would say this in my entire online career. But look closely at Tobey Maguire's dick. I never thought I would say that ever in my life. But here we are. If you go and look at the picture, look closely at Tobey Maguire's balls. The light is clearly coming from the opposite side that the light is hitting Tom and Andrew. So I look at this. I'm like, okay, this is fake, but it looks amazing. It's fake, but it looks amazing. Just like this one did. It's fake, but it looks amazing. So I decide, you know what I'm going to do? Since the person who sent it to me said, don't mention it was me. Don't, don't give my identity away. I'm like, all right. So I pop it up on my Twitter and I put my watermark on it because if like this one, it gets like 12,000 retweets, I want to get credit for the one sharing it, right? So I slap my watermark on it and I put it up and then I let a few minutes pass and I put another one of them up. By the way, there were more pictures. There were more than the two I put up. There were indeed, I want to say four. I want to say four. And I was going to post the other pictures as well. I was going to wait another five minutes and post the other picture. And then I was going to wait another five minutes and post the other picture. But anyway, so I post it. And like five minutes later, I get this call from somebody. I won't say who. Uh, saying that, uh, yeah, these uh, uh, these. These pictures probably real. I'm like, are you sure? And like, um, look, I don't know 100% for sure, but I feel pretty comfortable saying that these are most likely real. And I'm like, well, shit. So I immediately jump back on Twitter. Again, only about five minutes had passed and I delete them immediately. I obviously didn't share the other two pictures. And the other two pictures were the more juicy ones. That's, that's all I'm going to tell you is that the other two pictures were the more juicy ones. But now that I know that there's a strong possibility that they're real, I am definitely not going to be posting those. So I immediately delete it. And when I delete it, almost nobody had seen it, right? They had like 100 likes on it. Now, I'll get like 1,000, 2,000 likes on a tweet. There was like 100 likes on it. Almost nobody had seen it. So I delete it and I forget about it. So I rush out of my office, go grab dinner, watch some football. And then before I know it, I turn on my computer and the whole thing had gone completely viral, completely viral. Now, something you should know about me. I hate, hate leaks. I mean, I I don't mind spoilers myself for me. But I know there are a lot of people who are very sensitive to spoilers, and I hate spreading spoilers. As a matter of fact, I put on Twitter just a couple of weeks ago, I said, look, when everybody was spoiling out the ending of Eternals, I got on Twitter and said, I think if you get invited to an advanced screening of something, you should sign a non-disclosure agreement with a minimum million-dollar fine that if you sign that non-disclosure agreement, you should get fined a million bucks if you then come out of that movie having signed a non-disclosure and then tell everybody what's in the movie. Like, I hate spoilers hate them. Even though they don't affect me too much, I hate people spreading spoilers to ruin the enjoyment for other people. I hate that. I would never intentionally do that. And I'll tell you what else. I was talking to a to a, a, one of the studio reps today. I would say a studio that has the letter S in it. And they were basically said to me like, um, I assume you thought these things were fake, 
because you put your watermark on it. I don't expect that you would try to steal the Mona Lisa and then leave your business card behind for the cops to follow you. I'm like, yes, if I thought they were real and I was going to share them online, I would absolutely not put my watermark on it so everybody knew the leak came from me. Uh, Because, look, here's the thing. The one thing I need to protect more than anything else, besides my relationship with my viewers, besides that, is my relationship with the studios. Now, look, giving negative reviews and bashing on movies is fair game. Everybody knows that. The studios understand that. Me even criticizing Bob Chapek as the CEO of Disney, that's fair game. He's the CEO of Disney. If he does stupid things, I'm going to criticize him. And I have. Some people accuse me of being too harsh on him. But that's fair game. What is not fair game is leaks like this. That's not fair game. And leaks like this can damage your relationship with studios. And I would never do anything. You guys know I have a very good relationship with studios. I would never do anything to risk my relationship with the studios. Especially not for some cheap Twitter post. Especially not for some cheap Twitter post. I get 4 million views a month of my videos. I don't need some cheap little Twitter post. So I would definitely not do anything intentional like that. And I certainly wouldn't try to intentionally try to spoil something for fellow fans and all that kind of stuff. Now, I get why other people screen capped the post, even though I deleted it. I understand why other people screen capped it and started sharing it around everywhere. I get it. I don't point fingers or blame anybody else for that. And the reality is, if these pictures end up being real, and I don't know that they are, to be honest, but if these pictures do end up being real, and let's say Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in the movie, and they don't show Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield in a trailer soon, I'm going to feel terrible about this. I'm going to feel terrible about this. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I wish... I wish that any one of these three things were true. I wish any one of these three things were true, that I just made the images myself, that somebody else just slapped a watermark on it, or that I was actually in cahoots with Sony and Disney. It's not true. I got sent these pictures. I thought they were fake. Slapped my watermark on it because I wanted credit for sharing them, put them up. As soon as I heard that they they could be real, I deleted them immediately, and I didn't even share all the pictures. I didn't even share all the pictures. Um... Should I give you a little tease into what was one of the other pictures that you'd never be able to deduce what the actual image is? Um, I'll give you a little tease. going to give you a tease, only because you'll never actually guess or deduce what the actual picture is. But it involves somebody in a mocap suit. You can take a million guesses. You're never going to guess it, so it doesn't matter that I said that. You're never going to guess it. So... Uh, and and others. And then on top of that, I got another email last night after the pictures got out because somebody thought, well, I'm the guy to send these pictures to now. And I'm like, 24 hours ago, I never would have considered that they could even possibly be real. But I'm like, I'm not even going to look at these things now. I'm not even going to look at them. And I didn't. I didn't even open them. I did not open the attachments. I didn't even look at them because of all this. Not even one little peek did I take at these things. And you know what's funny? Here's what's funny. Um, there are scoopers and leakers who have probably tried for a year and a half 
if those pictures are real, if those pictures are real, there are scoopers and leakers and all that kind of stuff who have probably killed themselves, would probably walk over their own dead mother to have gotten those images that ass backwards out of nowhere got sent to me. I still have no idea why they got sent to me. That probably would have walked over their own dead mother to get those pictures and to post them. And for some unfair thing in the universe, those people who actually wanted them, instead they came to me. Um, But today I kind of wish they went to somebody else. I kind of wish they went to somebody else. But they didn't. They came to me. And I thought it was fake, and I posted it just like I've posted other fake stuff, but only it turns out maybe this time it's real. Maybe this time it's real. And so, yeah. Now look, no matter what I say here, and I get this, no matter what I say here, no matter that I logically explain, look, I had, there, I had nothing to gain from putting up leaked posters or leaked images. All I have, like real leaked images, I have nothing to gain. I have like 4 million views a month on my videos. I already have a strong Twitter following. All that's going to happen to me if I knowingly post real image, real spoiler images from the movie, all that's going to happen to me is I'm going to damage my relationship with the studios and I'm going to inadvertently hurt the feelings of people who really want to go into a movie like this as clean as possible. I have no upside. There's no upside for me. So, but it doesn't matter. Uh, There are going to be some people who think I intentionally posted, even though, again, 90% of websites and bloggers out there would have fallen over backwards to try to post these. But there are going to be people out there who just will not believe that I didn't intentionally post a real behind-the-scenes spoiler picture. And there's nothing I can say to change anybody's minds. And quite frankly, I don't care. I don't care. I do care if it turns out I spoiled something for some people. I'm going to feel terrible about that. I'm going to feel terrible. It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't my, uh, it wasn't my uh, objective. But if it turns out that regardless of it was just a mistake, if I ended up spoiling something for some people, and again, I have a feeling if those pictures are real, I got a feeling it's going to be stuff that's shown in the next trailer anyway, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to feel bad about that. And I was talking to a studio rep today saying, look, uh, and they would not confirm. By the way, I was talking to a studio rep and they would not confirm that the pictures are real. I asked, but they wouldn't confirm that the pictures were real. So I still have to just go on an assumption. But I told them, I said, look, if those pictures are real, and I know you're not confirming they are, but if those pictures are real, I just want you to know I am going to feel really bad. But it was not my intention. And they're like, yeah, no, we know you would never do something like this. You would never do something like this intentionally. We know that, but it happened. So we got to figure this out. Who sent it to you? I'm not going to tell you who sent it to me. I can't do that. I just can't do that. So, yeah, that's the story behind how somebody who wasn't even to looking, let me try this again. That's the story behind how somebody who wasn't even looking to get big Spider-Man No Way Home behind the scenes images when there are thousands of other scoopers and leakers who are desperately trying to get their hands on those pictures, couldn't get them, but they ended up in my stupid hands, believed they were fake, posted them up, and then the world got set on fire. And the world got set on fire. You know, it's funny too. I was talking to, I was talking to Christian Harloff earlier today. And 
you know, he was he was asking me some stuff. And I said, you know what the funny thing here is? People like me are going to try really, really hard to do what they can to grow their channels and, you know, do whatever they can. And all the things they actually try to do often don't work. Like 95 things out of the things I try don't work. You know, you try and try and try. By trying a lot of things, you fail a lot of things. So try and try and try to do these things. And then I end up accidentally posting up something that turned out is maybe real. And I added 4,000 new Twitter followers overnight and a bunch of new subscribers to my channel overnight. And I'm like, for something I didn't even intend to do. The world is a strange, strange, strange place. Anyway, guys, uh, that's the actual story about how those pictures got out there. Uh, And I haven't blown up the internet like that since I was the first guy to tell you that Ben Affleck wasn't going to be Batman anymore in the new Batman movie years and years and years ago. This is the first time. Like, Newsweek even ran a story of it. Fucking Canadian nobody doing a YouTube show out of the spare room in his house. I'm in Newsweek now. But anyway, that's the story for that, guys. What are you thinking? Do you want me? I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, Wire me 2,000 Bitcoin. 2,000 Bitcoin, and I might send you one of these pictures. I'm obviously completely kidding. I'm not going to send these pictures to anybody else, especially the ones that I have not shown yet. I'm just going to hold on to those and not show them. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's the story of it. That's how somebody who wasn't even looking for these pictures ended up with real pictures when he thought he even thought they weren't. So there's that. You take it as you will. You feel about it however you will. But I wanted to address it today. And there it is. And maybe it'll give you a little bit of insight about how this whole really weird world of this works uh, with all this kind of stuff. But again, you wouldn't believe half the shit I get sent. You would not believe half the shit I get sent. All right. Anyway, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's now move into, as we're getting close to our number two here on the show, we still got uh, one big, big main topic here to talk about here today. We're going to talk about Star Wars and Rogue One. But as we roll into that, I want to take a second, though, and shout out the other uh, entity here that today's show is brought to you by, and that is the folks over at Raycon. Now, listen, true story. I have used the other big brands of earbuds before. I have used all the other big brands of earbuds. And I lost one of them. I was looking for a new brand of earbud. I was looking for new earbuds for my headphones for when I'm on my treadmill and all that kind of stuff. And one of my favorite YouTube channels uh, started advertising this. And they talked about how these things have incredible quality. And they're like half the price of the other major earbuds out there. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try this thing out. And sure enough, these things are incredibly easy to pair. As soon as I took them out of the case, put them in my ears, instantly they went into pairing mode. They have up to like 32 hours of battery life, eight straight hours of playtime, and they sound great and they're simple, easy to use. And like I said, they're like half the price of the other major brands of earbuds. So listen, I highly recommend, if you're looking for earbuds, or guess what, guys? Christmas is coming. If you're looking for a good present for somebody, everybody always needs some Bluetooth earbuds. Here's what you do. Go over to www.buyraycon.com slash campia. Once again, that's www.buyraycon.com slash campia. Pick up these things. Try them out for yourselves. Once you do, let me know about your experience. Write to me. Like, I love the fact that you guys have been writing to me about your experience with the sponsors on the show. So please do that as well. And I want to give a big thanks again to Raycon for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys. 
With that down, let's move on to our fourth and final main topic here today, shall we? And our fourth and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Ryan Granger, who writes, Hey, John. Reports seem to be suggesting that the upcoming Rogue Squadron movie with Patty Jenkins has or may be delayed due to her juggling other projects such as Wonder Woman 3 and Cleopatra. Was this a Star Wars project you were hyped for given the current state of the franchise? Have you seen these reports? Would love to know your thoughts on everything. Cheers. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Aside from The Acolyte, which is going to be a Disney Plus series, the most exciting Star Wars announcement to me coming out of that Disney Investor Day stream they did months ago was Patty Jenkins directing a Rogue Squadron movie. That, to me, was the big story coming out of that. That and them FX doing Shogun, because I've been dying for them to do Shogun forever. But I think that might have been my most exciting thing, aside from Shogun. Aside from Shogun. Uh, was Patty Jenkins doing a Rogue Squadron. And they even did this whole, they did this entire like sketch. Remember that from the live stream? They did this big sketch of Patty Jenkins telling the story about her, her real life story of her dad was an Air Force pilot. And then the camera pans back and it turns out she's actually on a runway and she then walks up and there's an X-Wing fighter. It was like a great way to announce this damn thing. It was great. I think Patty Jenkins is a fabulous director. Yeah, I didn't love Wonder Woman 84 either. I I mean, like a lot of you, I didn't love Wonder Woman 84. But I like a number of her other projects, very including the first Wonder Woman and Monster, which, you know, her actress got an Academy Award for it. I think she's a great director. So I was really freaking excited about this. Really excited about it. And it was supposed to go into production soon. Like I think it was supposed to go into production like in the net within the next four or five months, if I'm not mistaken, but now it's been postponed for one of the most classic BS excuses that studios usually give scheduling conflicts. Anyway, let's take a look at this. This comes to us from the folks at variety who write rogue squadron, the new star Wars film from Patty Jenkins will take a few detours before it reaches theaters. The film was scheduled to begin production in 2022, but that start date is not going to happen, which could also impact the film's targeted release date of December 22nd, 2023. It absolutely will change that release date. The delay is due to scheduling conflicts with Jennings. Rogue Squadron has been taken off Disney's production schedule. All right. Let's talk about this for a second. So here's the thing. One of the when a project starts to fall apart, one of the big excuses that studios will give to not talk about the actual drama is scheduling conflicts. Now, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's true. But let's look at this for a second. Scheduling conflict? Scheduling conflict. So you're telling me. Four months ago, I I can't even remember how long ago the Disney Investor Day thing was. I, I maybe it was six months ago, maybe it was four. I I can't remember. Let's let's for argument's sake say five months ago, even though I could be completely wrong. But for argument's sake, let's say five months ago. Five months ago, when you do this whole big sketch, let, let me bring that image up again because that image is from the sketch of her, you know, on that runway, putting on the X wing X wing pilot suit, walking up to the X wing fighter. You're telling me. 
Five months ago, when you were putting together this big elaborate announcement about doing Rogue Squadron, you're telling me that Disney and you talked and they said, hey, how about uh, we start shooting this thing at the beginning of 2022 and we release the film in December 22nd, 2023? Are you telling me? Are you telling me that not once you picked up your phone and said, oh, let me look at my calendar? Really? You didn't look at your calendar? You didn't open up the old you know, Google calendar and say, oh, turns out I have a scheduling conflict. I'm supposed to be shooting something else. No, of course not. They looked at their calendars and they said, yep, we're free. Let's do it. There was no scheduling conflict. Okay, there was no scheduling conflict. You had that planned and announced you're doing Star Wars Rogue One. Disney, that's what you're doing. Patty Jenkins, that's what you're doing. The whole Cleopatra thing and everything, that, that came up later, but you got it. You got it. You checked your calendar. We're going to do it. So No, I don't buy. I don't buy that it's a scheduling conflict. I think it's clearly something else behind, behind the, the curtain. Now, look, this next part of what I'm going to say is clearly only me speculating, okay? There's no factual information out there to back this up, but I'm going to give you some speculation, but this speculation is based on previous behavior and previous things that we've seen happen at Lucasfilm under Kathy Kennedy, all right? So while this is just speculation, it is nonetheless speculated or speculation that's based on prior things that have happened over there at Lucasfilm. Here's my speculation. I think there's creative differences. I think there's creative differences. And the reason why I'm speculating that and feel pretty, pretty good about that speculation is because when you look back, the number one big thing, the number one big problem that Kathy Kennedy and her leadership has represented, and the number one thing that she's gotten wrong is her inability to vet her filmmakers and then sit down and talk with the filmmakers and 100% guarantee make sure that everybody's on the same page. That the filmmakers know exactly what Kathy Kennedy expects from them, that Kathy Kennedy knows exactly what the directors are going to bring to the project. Because what have we seen? Now, not as much lately, Granted, we've seen some improvement. This happened hasn't happened as much lately. But what did we see happen like four or five times in just the first couple of years of Kathy Kennedy running Lucasfilm? Director dropping out, director dropping out, swapping out a director halfway through production. I mean, this has been a thing, right? Obviously, one of the most noble ones was Lord and Miller doing Solo. When Lord and Miller started making a movie they never agreed upon, and Kathy Kennedy fired them and brought in Ron Howard. And by the way, I still think Solo ended up being a pretty darn good movie. But it once again highlighted that Kathy Kennedy failed to make sure that her and her filmmakers were 100% on the same page before starting production on a movie or announcing that they were going to be the directors on a movie. This has happened several times at Lucasfilm. This has happened multiple times. And by the way, it's not the end of the world that people have creative differences. Individuals will have different ideas, and maybe sometimes the ideas do this, and you find out your ideas aren't compatible. That's okay. That's okay. I just wish they would figure that out before they do this big sketch 
of Kath of uh, of um, Patty Jenkins doing a big sketch on a runway with an X-wing fighter. I just wish they would figure that out. So, yeah, I personally, when I hear this thing about it's scheduling conflicts, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Just be honest about it. Just be honest about it. Come out and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we just realize that we're wanting to make different movies from each other. We're wanting to make different movies from each other. And we're not on the same page. And that is okay. That's okay to do. I mean, it'll, it'll be frustrating for us fans, but don't lie to the fans and say, oh, it's scheduling conflicts. Well, obviously it's not scheduling conflicts. I do not believe for one second that you guys were planning out this big, you know, event super film only to later realize, oh, oh, we're so sorry. We double booked. Oh my goodness. We double booked. Are we ever embarrassed? We accidentally double booked. I, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. But anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this whole situation that we've got here with Star Wars, with Rogue Squadron, with Kathy Kennedy, with Patty Jenkins? I don't know. Maybe you believe it. You know what? Maybe that is the case. Maybe something really fluky happened and it crossed the wires. Maybe something can't get started when they thought they were going to get started. And maybe it is legitimately just as they're saying it's scheduling conflicts. Maybe it's another instance of the fact that Kathy Kennedy and her filmmakers can't get on the same page creatively, and it's creative differences. All I know is right now, there's not a scheduled Star Wars movie to come out. That's the end result. Right now, we have no scheduled Star Wars movie coming out. We got a lot of things in the works. We got a Kevin Feige Star Wars movie in the works. We've got a Taika Waititi Star Wars movie in the works. But right now, there's no major Star Wars motion picture coming, as far as I know, as far as I can remember off the top of my head. And that, to me, makes me a little bit grumpy. I'm not going to lie. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this whole thing? Jump on down in the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. And by the way, guys, I just want to give a shout out to a whole bunch of people who have been sending in Super Chat badges in the live chat. I just want to give them, because you know what I forgot to do today, guys? I forgot to open the Super Chats on YouTube so you guys can fire in comments. Sorry about that. But a lot of you guys have sent in Super Chat badges anyway. So big thank yous out to Nightspeed, uh, our friend Marie Seifring, Casey Mack, Ms. Marvel, uh, Virtuoso Z, uh, Luke Manley, Epic Dub Time, uh, Virtuoso sent in another one, Ral Ranjin sent in one. Oh my God, a $50 Super Chat badge was sent in by all... Olurotomy8, Olurotomy8, um, Ajibola sent in like a super, a $50 super chat badge. Listen, thank you so much for that, dude. Also, Carlos Diaz sent one in. Mr. Kaplan sent one in. Hat, big thank you to all you guys who are sending in those super chat badges while we're doing the show here today. We much appreciate that. Okay. With all that down out of the way, guys, let's now move on and start taking your questions that you guys have fired in, shall we? And uh, once again, if you want to get a live comment or question read on the show, simply go down either this show or an upcoming companion video. Simply go down into the description of the video, click on the tip link, or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on the show or an upcoming companion video, depending on when you send in the question. And of course... You'd be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so much for your support. And remember, we'll only read them on the show if they're appropriate for the show. We had to remove uh, my uh, my screener. I actually had to remove a couple of the questions you guys sent in because there were clear eternal spoilers. So 
how to take them out. So, but anyway, with that down, let's get on over to your question, shall we? And we're going to start things off here with Josh, who writes, John, I saw this show Arcane on Netflix trending Saturday night, like number two or three most of the night. I know nothing of the game. By the way, Arcane is based on League of Legends. I know nothing of the game, but I checked it out and wow, animation on par, if not better than Spider-Verse and an amazing story. Did you see anything on this at all? Yeah, I was talking actually about Arcane a little bit yesterday. Uh, A bunch of people wrote into me saying, John, there's this new show, Arcane, you should check it out. And a lot of people raved about it. So the other day I was like, all right, the first three episodes are up on Netflix now. I don't play League of Legends. Like I literally have League of Legends installed on my machine, but I don't think I've ever actually played it. So I don't know anything about the lore of League of Legends. And uh, sat down, fired up Netflix. You know what? The first three, I'm not going to say it's the best thing on Netflix, but the first three episodes are actually pretty darn good. The first three episodes are actually pretty damn good. And so I would recommend other people give it a shot. Thanks for the recommendation on that, Josh. Next up, Fanimator writes, how would you rank the MCU Phase 4 projects? My ranking, number one, Shang-Chi. Number two, WandaVision. Number three, Loki. Number four, Falcon the Winter Soldier. Number five, Eternals. Number six, Black Widow. Number seven, What If. You know what? I like it. I like your rankings. I would probably move Eternals up to number three. I think I would move Eternals up to number three. So for me, it would be uh, Shang-Chi, WandaVision, then Eternals, Falcon the Winter Soldier, Black Widow, and What If. That's how I would rank them. So very, very close years. I would just move Eternals a little higher up. But yeah, Shang-Chi, absolutely number one. Uh, by the way, Zoe1017 sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Zoe. Appreciate that, man. Uh, okay. Uh, where are we at here? The Great One writes... The first two Wheel of Time episodes will be shown theatrically on November 15th, four days before release on Prime. There will be showings in big cities in the U.S. with the premiere in London. Fan content creators are flown to London to do interviews on the red carpet. Actually, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I remember the first show I remember really doing something like that, like premiering their, their season, was Game of Thrones. They did that a couple times where, like, season five is going to premiere in movie theaters. Remember that? Like a day or two early before it actually aired on HBO. I think that's a really cool thing for them to do. All right, Haskell420 writes, Hey, John, on the poster, we see two different sand slash smoke streaks. Could the big S-looking one be Sandman's and the other one in the back be Mysterio's smoke of him flying around? They are two different and separate streaks that don't connect, and Mysterio is teased. So we were talking about the Spider-Man No Way Home poster that came out yesterday, and... You know, the fact that it shows Goblin, it shows the Electro Lightning, it shows Doc Ock's tentacles, and it shows Sandman's sand. Could one of those sand things be Mysterio? Maybe, but I would think when they're doing the poster to completely make those four elements stand out from each other, I would think that they would have made Mysterio's thing not blend in with the Sandman thing. That's my guess. So I don't know. Maybe. Could be. All right. Next up. Uh, Fomophobic writes, um, I'm trying to make everyone forget Peter is spider. Oh, sorry. In trying to forget, let me try this again. In trying to make everyone forget that Peter is Spider-Man, the spell brings in everyone that knows he's Spider-Man. Every villain from every movie, there is five total. Goblin, Octopus, Sandman, Electro, Lizard. Sandman isn't a villain. Uh, Holland's two will find out. Uh, we'll find out the six. Well, don't forget, also in the other Sam Raimi, the third Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, there was also Venom. Venom's the wild card in all this. 
And especially when considering, we won't say what happens, but especially when considering the post-credit scenes in Venom, Venom becomes a really interesting wild card. And does he and what does he play a role in this new movie? And if so, what kind of role? Don't know. Maybe not at all. Maybe something significant. We'll find out. Anyway, that's a good theory there, uh, FOMOphobic. All right. Next up, Jimmy Ortega writes, Hey, John, I've decided to try my hand at short films. Excellent. That's an awesome thing for you to try. Question is, should I go original or fan film? I feel like a fan film will allow me to focus more on the technical aspects since I'm learning. Uh, that will give me some built-in world-building thoughts. Well, there's pros and cons to doing fan films. I'm somebody myself who made an award-winning fan film, as a matter of fact. I, so I know the world. Fan films are great. Actually, my buddy Kevin Rubio, still to me, and you see Kevin Rubio in the live chat here often, Kevin Rubio, to me, still made the greatest fan film of all time, uh, which it's it's older. It predates YouTube itself, but you can go find it anywhere now. Troops. T-R- so it's it's a play on cops, you know, bad boys, bad boys. It's a play on cops, but on Tatooine with stormtroopers. It is still to this day the greatest fan film ever done, uh, in my opinion, and still the funniest that I've ever seen. Anyway. That being said, but it's tricky. Like if you talk to Robert Meyer Burnett too, Robert Meyer Burnett had with his Axonar project, like it, because it was Star Trek based, that caused them a lot of headaches moving forward. So some of the advantages of making your short films, fan films based on existing IP, well, an advantage is if you say do a John Wick fan film, then you might get the attention of some John Wick fans who might want to check it out. Right? So that's an advantage, but a disadvantage is uh, one of the big disadvantages is you might also be judged more harshly by John Wick fans than you would by other people. But also on top of that, you might run the risk of crossing some lines and maybe a studio thinks, well, this is copyright violation. You're doing a John Wick thing. And so I don't know. Uh, I'd say do something original. I mean, do, fan films are fun. And if you feel like doing a fan film, do a fan film. But if all other things are equal, I would say try try doing some original. That gives you more flexibility with really wanting to work on the technical aspects and the creative aspects. So that would be my suggestion. But either way, it's just good that you're getting involved in doing it, man. I think that's great, Jimmy. All right, next up. Um, Rayan Butt writes, Not only will Tom Holland be taken into Sony's Spider-Man universe, the SSU, but Sony will do whatever they can to keep Tom Holland as Spider-Man because they do not want another debacle about fans complaining they rebooted Spider-Man again too quickly. Oh, I completely agree. See, what I think, think, capital letters, think, what I think is, is I already think they've got Tom Holland locked up in a contract. I think Tom Holland and Sony have already worked out a contract. That's what I think. That is what I speculate. I think this is all a done deal. I mean, look, first of all, let's let's acknowledge here, uh, Ryan, that uh, Rayan, I should say, that while you and I both believe that Spider-Man is exiting out of the MCU, either at the end of No Way Home or in at the end of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, while you and I may both believe Spider-Man is now heading out of the MCU over Sony, the fact of the matter is he might not be. He might not be. We don't have any official word from anybody saying that that's what's happening. I mean, I think all the tea leaves point to that happening, and clearly you do too. 
but let's not lose sight of the fact that he very well could stay in the MCU. So either way, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see how this all goes. So much to find out. All right, Cody Hunt Films writes, John, I can't believe it. I went and saw Eternals at my local uh, B&B theater in Kansas City. Ah, Kansas City, the home of AMC theaters. And there was only seven minutes of trailers. That's awesome. Two trailers and one theater commercial. Enjoyed the movie. Kingo and his assistant were my favorite. Kingo and uh, Karun are... Man, I don't know. There's a Listen, I have some big problems with Eternals. And I talked about those on the open spoiler discussion that we did the other day. By the way, still part two of the open spoiler discussion is coming later tonight. Just just so I was going to do it yesterday. Bunch of things happened in the early afternoon that took away my attention and had to do a lot of stuff. Then I had to do a companion video last night. So part two of the Eternals open spoiler discussion is coming later tonight. So keep your eyes open for that. Anyway. In that open spoiler discussion, I talked about some of the significant issues I had with Eternals, but man, there's a lot of things I love in that movie. And Kingo and Karun are absolutely two of them. I, I love them, man. I'm glad you had a good time. And that's awesome that it only had seven minutes of trailers. That is awesome. All right, next up. Suthius writes, this past weekend was the first time that I've been to a theater in about two years. That's great, Suthius. I missed out on Shang-Chi and Dune, but was able to take my oldest, who's seen most of the MCU with me, to go see Eternals. Biggest negative? The not-so-great Regal 2D projection. Sheesh. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. To be fair to Regal, and you guys know AMC is my favorite movie theater. I used to work with them, so I've got some heart connections there. I'm also very critical of AMC, but they are my favorite movie theater chain. So full disclosure, AMC is my favorite movie theater chain, uh, even if their CEO is a dipshit. But in my opinion, uh, that being said, AMC is my favorite movie theater chain. But to be fair to Regal, Regal, as far as I understand, they don't act like AMC theaters. Every AMC theater you go to is clearly an AMC theater. It is. They are. They have certain standards, whatever. I think a lot of Regal cinemas are more independently operated. I might be wrong about that. If you work with Regal and I'm wrong, you just let me know. But so you might go to one Regal theater where maybe it isn't the best projection experience, but that doesn't mean the other Regal theater up the road may not be excellent. So just something to keep in mind about that. But I'm sorry you didn't have a great experience with that. All right. Uh, next up, Smokey McPot writes, who tips in like $20. Thank you, Smokey McPot. Uh, Smokey McPot writes, um, John, considering it's now MCU canon that the characters look exactly the same across all multiverses, Loki. Um, well, that's not true. Like, even Loki looked different in some of the multiverse stuff. Anyway, um, doesn't that mean if any multiverse Spider-Man characters show up in No Way Home, they should all look like Tom Holland and not Toby or Andrew bring on the filthy again just look at loki loki had a lot of variants that looked exactly like him but there were also variants that looked completely different little alligator loki little boy loki old man loki i mean there's a there was a lot of variations in there so yeah i think that leaves that open open there smoking with pot so again it's funny that you're mentioning loki but it's actually loki that completely proves the opposite point that in marvel's logic you can have your doppelganger, but look completely different. And Loki is the show that actually established that. Thanks for sending that in, man. I appreciate that. All right. Um, by the way, Raul Ranjan sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Raul. Appreciate that. All right. Next up. Um, super Korean writes, Hey, John. 
So I was watching The Eternals, and I was keeping an eye on the Barry uh, on Barry Keoghan, who plays Druig. He's fantastic in it. I think he's a really good actor. Before Eternals, I saw him in The Green Knight, which he was pretty good. I totally, real. oh my, I got to look that up. Hold on a second. Um, anyway, Green Knight is pretty good. He's going to be in The Batman. Could he be the next Joker? No, I don't think he's going to be. I, there's some rumors going around that he's going to be the next Joker. I don't think so. Uh, but Dunkirk, check him out in Dunkirk. And I've had a bunch of people write in about an Irish show called Love Hate. Is that, a bunch of people have been writing in reminding me that there's this Irish show in Ireland with a Keoghan, I think it's called Love Hate or Hate Love or something like that. Uh, and they say he's really good in that. So you might want to check that out if it's something that is available to you. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Agent Triple X writes, in light of Diesel's post, here are some Fast 10 titles. Fast 10, your seatbelts, which is what a lot of people have been writing in, uh, was a great one, but there are some others. Fast and the Fur Tennis, uh, the Furious and the Fast X Fast X, Furious, if Rock doesn't come back and then get Vin Diesel's other character for Fast Triple X. I get uh, Very well done. Well done, Fast Triple X. I like that. All right, Bro Thor writes, Hey, John. Man, I want to know what the different levels of hierarchy is because Arashem is serious. But after seeing how things turned out with Eternals, I bet beings like Odin, Thorda, Thor, Hela, Captain Marvel, and others can take on Eternals, but definitely not Arashem, though. Yeah, listen, some a bunch of people have been writing in, like, what is the hierarchy in the MCU in general now? Like, it's like paper, rock, scissors. Does TVA trump the Watcher? Does Arashem trump the TVA? Does the Watcher trump Arashem? I mean, there's so there's some kind of confusion going on out there right now. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Exactly who is the biggest of the big and the baddest of the bad? And that's a good question. That's a good question. And I, I think we're going to need to see more material coming out. But yeah, Arashem, I was so impressed. One of the things I was really impressed with in uh, Eternals was the sheer scale of Arashem. The scale of Arashem, to me, was fantastic. They did a great job. And you get a little bit of a sense of his scale in the trailer, but I really like the way they portrayed that in the movie itself. So that really worked for me. All right, next up. Um, Boris, one of three writes, Hey, John, since I was a kid, Spider-Man has been my favorite superhero. I never read comics, but I got my first toy when I was four. And then at seven, Sam Raimi's first movie came out and I was enthralled. Over the years, I've loved most iterations and I still enjoy the more average ones. While I love the characters and the storytelling in the MCU ones, they lack that classic Spidey action that I grew to love. The last two games with their cutscenes really made it hurt, and seeing him in other MCU movies that give him more action than his own films felt shitty to me. But this fucking poster has revitalized my body and soul. No way my man Tom is getting some killer action. Sorry, no way my way Tom isn't getting some killer action this time around. Uh, bring bring on the filthy. I am dying for this movie to come out. Thanks. You know, it's funny because a lot of people looked at that Spider-Man poster yesterday. And, and I get it. It's not artistically the most creative thing, right? So... I saw a lot of people online looking at that Spider-Man poster and going, eh, but I thought it was really interesting what they were doing with the, you know, the representations, the lightning representing Electro, the sand representing Sandman, seeing Doc Ock's arms and then 
explicitly seeing Green Goblin in the background. Green Goblin, who, by the way, when the first trailer came out, I was like, okay, yeah, that was one of Green Goblin's bombs, but that doesn't necessarily mean Green Goblin's in this movie. Well, guess what? He's now in the poster. He's definitely in the movie. So I kind of like the way they did that. So I'm glad that the poster revitalized your love for it, Boris, and I can't wait for the movie to come out. All right, next up, Boris writes, Another thought, John. We got Doc Ock in the trailer with a tease for Green Goblin. We got Green Goblin in the poster with a tease of Sandman and Electro. I reckon we get them two in the next trailer. Kind of makes sense to me. Can't wait either way. You know what? Here's the thing. I think the next trailer is going to throw the kitchen sink at everything. I think Sony is going to throw the kitchen sink at this next trailer. I think it is going to include everything that is going to excite fans that to go out and buy tickets. And I'll tell you what, if they put the stuff in the next trailer that I think they're going to put in the next trailer... Not only will this movie make $100 million, be the first film, the first film in the pandemic recovery era to cross $100 million opening weekend. If they put in this, even 60% of what I think they're going to put in this next trailer, Spider-Man could double that. Spider-Man could, in theory cross 200 million opening weekend remember you that may not sound like a really big huge number to you but keep in mind that in this pandemic recovery era not a single film has cracked 100 million dollars opening weekend we've had some big opening weekends uh shang chi eternals just made 70 plus uh venom 2 is the current record holder with over 90 all that kind of stuff if they show in the next trailer what i think they're going to show and what a lot of you think they're going to show, this thing will crack, this thing could crack 200 million. If in the next trailer they decide to still play close to the vest, because the movie's only about a month away now, if they continue to decide to play close to the vest, then I think you're looking at 100 to 150 million opening weekend. But if the next trailer shows the bonkers throw the kitchen sink, kind of give the audience a sense of what they're going to get in this movie, if they do that, I think it, it could very well hit $200 million. It could very well hit $200 million opening weekend. I think it's going to make ticket sales go absolutely insane. And at the end of the day, that's what Sony cares about. Sony cares about selling as many tickets as possible. And uh, we'll see. We'll find out. I have no idea when the next trailer is going to drop, but it's got to be soon. Okay, next up, we got Kevin V who writes, Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, I've been a fan since the start of AMC Movie Talk. Thank you, dude. Crazy how quickly time flies by. Anyway, I was wondering if the future of Spider-Man will have two Spider-Mans, Peter Parker, MCU, Miles Morales in the SCU. What are your thoughts? No, we've talked about this a lot of times. There's, first of all, neither Sony nor Marvel wants to make live-action Spider-Man movies while another studio is also making live-action Spider-Man movies. Neither of them want that. It doesn't service anybody. It doesn't service any of them. I mean, Marvel doesn't mind making live-action Spider-Man movies for Sony while Sony is doing an animated Into the Spider-Verse with Miles Morales, which, by the way, is the best Spider-Man movie since Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, to me, is better than any Spider-Man movie that um, Marvel has produced. Um, It's amazing. It's fantastic. 
but it's animation. So, no, I don't think we're going to see a live-action Miles in one universe and then a live-action Peter in another. I just don't think that serves the uh, interests of either Disney or Sony. All right, next up. Uh, Benji writes, It wouldn't have made... It wouldn't have made so much sense to show any of the new Star Wars TV content as a surprise screening as it would create chaos and potential spoilers, especially to a show like Boba Fett, which isn't going to be released for another seven weeks. So this is all coming from yesterday. We talked on the John Campia show about the fact that AMC theaters was advertising AMC and Disney were advertising for this Friday, a Disney plus surprise Star Wars screening. And I obviously, you probably saw it online too. I started getting a lot of messages from people saying, oh my God, Disney Plus is going to do a surprise Star Wars screening this Friday. So are they going to show us like the first episode of Obi-Wan? Are they going to play the first one or two episodes of Boba Fett? Are they like, what are they going to show us? Maybe uh, something else? Maybe they've already started shooting, you know, I, I don't know, whatever. But then when you looked at the fine print on another page, it isn't a Disney Plus Star Wars thing. It's a classic Star Wars movie. Only it's going to be a surprise. So it could be Attack of the Clones. It could be Empire Strikes Back. It could be The Phantom Menace. It could be... I mean, we just don't know. But it's not going to be one of those things. And I agree. Look, I don't think it's bad that they're not doing... That they're not showing uh, Obi-Wan or or Boba Fett, or Mandalorian, or whatever. I don't think it's a bad idea that they're not showing that in theaters. I'm just saying the way it was advertised led everybody to believe that Disney Plus was doing a surprise screening of a Star Wars property. And you had to actually go away from the ticket page and go to the press release page to actually see the real information, which was, it's one of the classic Star Wars movies. It's not something new from Disney Plus. It very much was misleading. It was very misleading. I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but I mean, it came across as misleading, unfortunately. But you're right, Benji. I mean, it makes sense that they're not showing it. It does. They just should have been more careful how they advertise that. All right, next up. Uh, Benji writes, Disney isn't stupid to pull off such a stunt. Oh, this is a continuation of his last thing. Disney isn't stupid to pull off such a stunt because why would you release the first few episodes of Boba Fett and possibly Obi-Wan, which we don't have an exact release date yet, if the series premiere isn't until December 29th, which fans will have to wait six weeks? But yeah, but they've done stuff like that before, right? Like not six weeks away, but Disney has done advanced... Like, for example, not Disney, but another studio... I saw a press screening for Fast 9 like five weeks before the movie opened. Like five weeks before the movie opened. I've gone to Disney like premieres as early as three weeks before a movie came out. So, yeah, I don't think it defies logic that they could do something like that. But yeah, again, I completely agree with you that it makes sense that that's not what they're doing here. Okay, next up. We've got Benji also writes, on another note, why should somebody like me care if a Rotten Tomatoes score is fresh above 60%? If the majority of critics like a film, then great. Uh, Then why do I need 70, 80, 90, or 100 in order to make my mind up before seeing a film? You don't. Again, all Rotten Tomatoes is there is to give you a sense that out of this vastly diverse group of film critics that are out there, look how divided they are over Eternals. But out of all these hundreds of film critics that are on Rotten Tomatoes, and almost all of them are. 
that have such radically different backgrounds and radically different tastes and radically different sensibilities. It just says something that, hey, out of this vast, vastly diverse group of people, like 80% of them like the movie. That doesn't dictate whether or not you should go see a movie. It just prepares you a little bit. I was like, okay, so there's a decent chance I'll probably like it too. Like if out of this massively diverse group of people, 80% of them like it, I think that means there's a pretty good chance I'll like it too. I mean, there's still a chance that I won't because there are those critics that didn't like it. So maybe I won't, but it looks like there's a pretty decent chance that I will. And that's what I was talking the other day about. When you go through all the critic ratings and stuff like that, you see that like 90% of the movies, the critic and audience scores are usually within like about 90% of the time, they're within 20% of each other. They're within the same fifth, not the same half, not the same third, not the same quarter, but the same fifth quadrant as each other. And uh, again, it doesn't mean you're going to like it. It doesn't mean you should see it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't see it. It just kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of where to set your expectations about whether or not you might like it. I mean, that's about it. That's how useful it is as a tool. All right. Catch up on Fry's rights. Hey, John, uh, what's going on with Rob nowadays? I'll tell you about that in a second. I really miss having him and Aaron on the show. I especially want Rob back as I like uh, his astute movie observations, especially when two people have different opinions on anything. Uh, uh, Would have wanted to hear his take on Eternals. Well, I actually had two separate videos of Rob's take on Eternals on the show, but Rob was going to be on the show today, and I literally got a text from him yesterday afternoon. I'll say, let me just open it up here. I literally got a text from him yesterday afternoon. Where did he go? There he is. I literally got a text from him yesterday afternoon letting me know that he actually has family in town right now and they're going to be uh, busy with an airport stuff tomorrow. So he's not he's not here today. So don't worry, Rob, we'll be back. But I will take this opportunity to let you know that there is a change in the format to the John Campus show coming. I made an announcement um, a few days ago that I am going to be adding additional staff to the John Campia show, to Carson Drive Media, which is the name of my company. I'm adding additional staff. And part of the purpose of that additional staff is a little bit of a change of format coming. Now, don't worry. It's not going to be a night and day totally different. You're not going to tune in now and see dancing bunny rabbits in the background with me wearing the uh, Borat neon green you know, hiked up speedo bathing suit as I rub jello pudding on my boobies. Uh, no, it's not going to be anything that big of a departure, but it is a little bit of a format change coming. Um, I will let you guys know more about it as we get a little bit closer, but it is coming relatively soon. I will let you guys know more about that later. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, better than Star Wars writes, which is what my wife Anne said after she saw Dune. I finally saw Dune last night and it's exactly the film I had wished the Star Wars sequels would have been. In my opinion, it deserves the Oscar nomination for actor, supporting actor and actress, cinematography, director and picture. What are your thoughts? Well, it's important. It's impossible to, first of all, you know, I like Dune very much. I think Dune's fantastic. I think it is the absolute best possible iteration of that story that you could do. I never thought it was possible to make Dune that well i love it but it's too early to say about what it it deserves to get these nominations we haven't seen all the movies coming out this year you know if there are five other actors who did a better job then they should get the nominations and it's still too early to call but i will say this i completely agree with you dude i do love the movie i don't think it's better than star wars but i do love the movie i think it's fantastic all right yumi writes 
To me, the presence of the other Spider-Verse villains makes it more unlikely that Garfield and Maguire are going to show up. A multiverse rift, hand-picking villains, and the, corresp- the corresponding Spider-Men from these universes just seems a tad too convenient. True, I don't disagree with that, but again, like we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, it just looks more and more like they're throwing the kitchen sink at it to the point that I even, I'm starting to think that Patrick Stewart may actually show up in this movie. Now, I explained why I'm theorizing that Patrick Stewart as Professor X could show up in the movie. Somebody brought up a really good point in the chat yesterday, though, saying that it would make more sense if Patrick Stewart were to show up in Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. And I'm like, you know what? That's a really good point. That is a really, really good point. So um, have to wait and see. But yeah, it's re- I don't think anything's off limits right now with this spy. I think they are going just batshit crazy with it. I really do. Uh, which is not something I would have thought before. All right, Dr. Nova writes, Inside Out is the best children's movie. This is due to the impact that it has had on children. I may be a fake doctor, but I've talked to real ones, and they've said that having a movie like Inside Out has helped them with child therapy. Listen, I don't know anything about the medical profession or how well things work with child therapy or not. All I know is that Inside Out is a brilliant, brilliant movie. I love that movie. Now, I didn't cry at the end, but as you get near the end, and like the emotions are realizing she needs the, their girl needs to feel the sadness. You know, Leslie Nope the whole time had been trying to keep the little girl from feeling the sadness. But then you realize, no, she needed it. She needed to grieve, moving away from her friends, moving to a different... The the emotions weren't allowing her to feel that. And when you get to the end of that movie, and they just allow her to feel it, to feel that loss and to feel the sadness, I, I didn't cry... But I got emotional. I got emotional. It was absolutely beautiful. I love the way they did that. I really did. All right. Next up, Raj writes, one of three. Hey, John, long time. Thank you so much, Raj. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thank you. Sorry for the long question, but please bear with me. You say that movies are subjective. Absolutely. And I agree. For some, Godfather or Citizen Kane is like the all-time best film. And let's say Catwoman is the worst. It's one of the worst in my opinion. Uh, But maybe... For some others, it's vice versa. However, in academic institutions where film is taught as a serious subject, uh, almost always Godfather is featured as a case study as an example of what a great movie is, whereas nobody considers Catwoman. So don't you think that there are certain objective parameters based on which Godfather is always chosen as, as film study subject over Catwoman? All right, that's a great question, but I, I'm going to kind of address it the way I always have. A consensus of subjective opinions does not make an objective truth. Let me say that again. A consensus of subjective opinions does not make an objective truth. The only way, this is is science, by definition, by definition, the only way something is objectively true is if it can be empirically measured. That's it. There is no other standard by which something can be objectively true. I can look at, you know, uh, this TV over here, and you can say this is a 55-inch TV. Well, we can objectively and quantifiably test that. We can take a tape measure. I think I got one here, yeah. We can take a tape measure, a unit of measurement, 
and actually run it across from angle to angle, and we can quantifiably verify through empirical data that that TV is 55 inches from corner to corner. It's, that's not a subjective opinion. It is actually objective truth because you can measure it empirically. You can say that car is moving at 102 miles per hour. Well, there are units of measurement you can measure to see if that statement is verifiably objective truth. There are devices that you can use empirical units of measurement to see if that car was indeed traveling at 102 miles per hour. At that point, it's not an opinion that it's traveling at 102 miles an hour. It is a fact because you could measure it. It's objective, an empirical unit of measurement. With art, it's different. You can't say that joke was funny and say that that's objective truth. Really? How do you measure it? What empirical unit of measurement can you use to say objectively that joke was funny? You can't. You can't look at a painting and say, this painting is objectively pretty. Well, maybe it's pretty to you, but it may not be pretty to somebody else. And there's no empirical unit of measurement to determine for fact that it is objectively true. And that's what objective truth is. It's fact. It is empirically verifiable fact. You can't do that with movies. You can have consensus of opinion. You can absolutely have consensus of opinion. And while not everybody likes Godfather, the vast majority of film fans do. You can have consensus, but consensus of subjective opinion does not in and of itself equal objective fact. So anyway, that's kind of that's my take on that. But I, I, excellent question, Roz. Thanks for writing that in. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes, I read that Disney secured $100 million in global brand marketing support for Eternals from various different brands. Does this mean that the marketing cost for the movie is reduced, or is that separate on top of what they already spend on the budget? That is a great question, Honest, because look, when you look at the budgets for these movies, right, they'll say this movie costs $150 million. Okay, but if you go and shoot a movie in Georgia... Or if you go shoot a movie in Canada, or if you go shoot a movie in New Orleans, the local governments there will give you tax breaks and tax credits that offset the cost of you making that movie. But I believe, like, even if a studio got, like, $20 million in tax credits for shooting in Georgia, I still think they report their budget as being $150 million. So my guess is, and this is just a guess, because that's a terrific question that I don't actually know the factual answer to. But my guess is, if they got $100 million from somebody else to support their marketing campaign, I don't think that they would include that in their marketing budget. I could be wrong about that. I think that's a terrific question. If any of you guys actually know the answer to that, email me. I would, I would love to see the answer to that. Great question, Anonymous. All right, next up. Scott Brown writes, I wanted to recommend Arcane on Netflix. We've already talked about that today. Uh, it's a new animated series that dropped on Saturday. Uh, it is absolutely brilliant with beautiful animation. It is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's about two orphan sisters growing up in a dystopian steampunk future. It's just incredible. Again, I don't think it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I did enjoy it. And I am, I am very much looking forward to seeing the next set of three episodes. And I got to agree with you. The animation was beautiful. It was, it was really exceeded my expectations. Like as soon as it started, like the opening scene of the first episode, it's all done without dialogue. 
and it's really beautiful. So you're really relying on those visuals, and it was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous, Scott. Uh, next up, Marie Seifring writes, Hey, John, I read that Dean Stockwell passed away at 85, which we just talked about this morning. He had a long and interesting acting career. My heart goes out to his family and his fans. So long to all to Al, for, for, to, or Al from uh, Quantum Leap. Uh, again, when I think of him, I think of Battlestar Galactica. But that's just because that's my all-time favorite show. But yeah, I was, again, I was not only surprised and saddened to read about his passing, but I was surprised to find out he was 85. For what I, I don't, I, I have no idea why I just assumed he was younger than that. But you're right, Marie. Great career, a decorated career, an Academy Award-nominated career, a Golden Globe, and I think an Emmy-winning career. I mean, what a career the guy had. All right, Boris will be broke soon, writes... Hey, John, I just watched the Arcane trailer, and I think I might give it a go. Aaron spoke a while back about loving trailers that match the music, and I agree. They made a freaking uh, eye twitch sync with the fast drum beat. Absolutely dope trailer. 17 million one, uh, view one. I honestly didn't even see the trailer for Arcane. I didn't even watch the trailer for it. I just had a number of you guys write into me to say, I think you're really going to like this, John. And I was just like, all right. I loaded up on Netflix and says, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. People told me I should watch Arcane. So I loaded up on Netflix and just started watching without even watching the trailer. So I'm going to have to go and check the one out, Boris. Thanks for letting me know about the trailer. All right, next up. Uh, we only got a few minutes left here, but Dex Star writes, hope all is well. All is well, Dex. Thank you. I've never had a favorite MCU film until Eternals, and I love the climax, uh, the pain and the emotion. They all felt, uh, yeah, okay. They, they all felt, especially uh, Icarus, Sprite, heavy themes and mythology always get me fired up. I'm like, listen, I don't like it as much as you did, clearly. Like, I, there was some talk about maybe Eternals being the best movie that Marvel had ever made, and even some people over at Disney feeling like this is the best film Marvel's ever made. I don't agree with that, as it turns out. I don't even think Eternals is the best Marvel movie of the year. Like, I think that's Shang-Chi. But I very much enjoyed it, and I'm glad you did too, man. I'm glad you had a good experience with it. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, Outside of the Toy Story films and Galaxy Quest, can you name a good Tim Allen film? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, he's obviously had a lot of success on television, right? I mean, he's had a ton of success on TV over the last few decades. There's a movie that a lot of people like that I don't like, actually. But it's worth mentioning. And it's weird that he's in it, but there's a movie with Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's one of my favorite actors in the world, called Red Belt. And Tim Allen seems very miscast in it, but Tim Allen's in that, and a lot of people like that movie. I'm not going to lie, even though I love Chiwetel Ejiofor, I'm not a big fan of Red Belt, but a lot of people like it. Uh, some people in live chat are saying, the Santa Claus, yeah. I'm not so big on the Santa Claus, but a lot of you guys in the live chat, I'm seeing you absolutely like Santa Claus. The Santa, the Santa Claus and stuff like that, so... Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's funny. I think it's just that he's one of these guys who really his bread and butter was uh, was television and is television. <laughs> Snell World says Roadhogs. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be including Roadhogs on that list. All right. Uh, where are we at now? Uh, next up, Matt Finch writes. And Matt sends in like $20 uh, tip, man. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that, dude. Hey, John. So, I woke up at like 5 in the morning on Sunday. Sucked, but A New Hope was on. Watched the original trilogy right up to the Eagles game, and man, it was great. I know your favorite is Jedi, but Empire may be the best movie ever made. Everything with Yoda is epic. You know, it's funny. No, I think it's safe to say 
I think it's safe to say that Empire Strikes Back, that the majority of Star Wars fans probably feel the Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie made. Uh, Not everybody, not me, but I think most Star Wars fans, is that safe to say that most Star Wars fans probably think Empire Strikes Back is the best one? Anyway, for me, it's Return of the Jedi. Whether it's the single greatest space battle scene in cinematic history, uh, whether it's all the stuff uh, with Jabba, whether it's the iconic, like the whole like third act of the film, Luke, Vader, and the Emperor in the Emperor's throne room. Hell, I even love the Ewoks. Suck it. I love the Ewoks. As a juxtaposition of the natural world versus the industrialized world and stuff like that. I The Ewoks, you guys have heard me go on about the Ewoks before, right? Some people shit talk on the Ewoks. The Ewoks, let me tell you about the Ewoks and what the Ewoks will do. The Ewoks will capture you, number one. And then they're going to tie you to a stake that they carry you around on, right? And then without even killing you first, they're going to put your screaming, agonizing body over a fire and literally burn you and cook you alive as your screams of pain echo across the forest of the Endor moon. And they're going to stand around and laugh. They're going to stand around and laugh and celebrate and watch you writhe in agony and pain as your flesh is literally cooked on you. And then once you mercifully die, they'll rip the flesh from your bones and eat you. And then if you weren't lucky enough or whatever, maybe it's the opposite to get captured by them, let's say you go into battle with them, they will sever your head and then use your severed head as a drum of celebration of victory. That's the Ewoks. That is the Ewoks. Cute and cuddly, my ass. Um, but yeah, I like the, so yeah, for me, it's uh, it's return of the Jedi. It's, it's absolutely return of the Jedi. Um, All right, guys, Uh, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you guys so much for making this show part of your day. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in the questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Don't forget, a little bit later today, we've got part two of our Eternals open spoiler discussion. That'll be going up a little bit later tonight. And of course, the John Campus Show returns again tomorrow. We hope you all come back and join us again for that. Okay, guys, don't forget. In the meantime, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.